how did Jesus think? And uh, so we're going to talk about how Jesus thinks. That's the way you and I need to think. But how many know today is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday. It was uh, when Jesus, he was going to come into the city. And uh, he had thousands of people in his procession following him. And uh, he rode in on the city on a donkey. You may not be familiar with this, but in biblical history, when kings conquered uh, a city... They would come in with a great procession and they would be riding on a donkey because a donkey would represent peace. A donkey would represent peace. And so now we have the prince of peace riding on peace. And listen to me though, on Palm Sunday, he was declaring victory even before the cross. I don't think you heard that. I said he was declaring, you know, most kings declare victory after the fact. Jesus was declaring victory that the Prince of Peace is coming into the city to declare, I have gotten the victory for you, even before he went to the cross. And so I am thankful for Palm Sunday. And um, with all of that, he says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. They were hidden from the eyes. He was saying the Prince of Peace, what you've been looking for, what you need is right here, but they've been hidden from your eyes. Now, if you read that with religious glasses, you'll think that Jesus or God was hiding it from them, but he was not. He was not. And a lot of people think that today. Did you know and realize <clears throat> that God never is hiding something from you? He's not hiding revelation. He's not hiding truth from you. So what is it? What is it that it's hidden from us? It's because we have our eyes squint tightly so that we are not able to see it. But it's us. It's, not, it's on our part. It's not on his part. God is never. And so there's some people his disciples and other followers that followed Jesus, they received him. Their eyes were open, and because their eyes were open, it was not hidden from them. It's the same today. But to some degree, to some degree, all of us, including myself, our eyes are not totally open to everything that God has for us. Amen? It is not. I mean, because... God wants us to think like him. He really does. And for example, like, do you think ever that when Jesus walked on this earth that he ever thought like, what do I need to do today to get my needs met? Do you think he thought, what do I need to do today to get the favor of God? What do I need to do today to, for God to accept me? Do you think Jesus ever had any of those thoughts? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But yet there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus who have those thoughts on a regular basis. And so we need to change that. Amen. God wants you and I to know, of course, he's always for us. He's never against us. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, this is one of 
This is, I say this a lot, so uh, I say this is one of my favorite scriptures, and so you add that to the thousand list. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the second part, it's a real, in the Amplified Version, the classic version, it's really long scripture. So halfway through it, it says, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not. Now, listen to me. You may think it's just reiterating, but there's a reason why it's in there three times. Because in the Greek, the Greek word cannot be properly translated into English. Because in the Greek, it was emphatically explosive that I'm, I can't, I won't, I, I, there's no way possible that I could ever leave you. So there was no English proper translation of that. So what they did was they just translated it three times. I will not. I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So do you get the point that Jesus is not going to leave you no matter what? Did you get the point? He will not leave you. He's always with you on the inside no matter what. But this is the thing I was thinking about. You know, we say, well, I just need to seek God. And I've said that. I say that. I just need to seek God. But let me ask you something. How do you seek God that's already inside of you as if he's outside and you need to attain something to get him? Yeah. Well, we just really need to seek God as if he's far off. Or we just really need to seek God because he's not close by. I just really need to seek God. Now, no, you need to rethink that. Rethink God. You need to rethink that. God is not a far off. He's on the inside of you. So when we seek God, you got to be careful. Even when you read your Bible, even when you're praying, you think, I just need to get a hold of God. Listen to me. You need to rethink him and, and understand that he's on the inside of you. And he's already attain, attainable because he's in you. It's not something you're trying to do out here to be close to him. Amen. I used to read my Bible, I want to be close to God. Honey, you cannot get any closer right now than what he is on the inside of you. But if you think, if you think, I just need to spend time with God so I can be closer to him. I just need to spend time reading the Bible so I can be closer to him. You're missing it. You are missing it. And things will be hidden from you even though you're reading and spending time. I know people spend hours and hours, you know, praying and reading and doing all that. And don't get me wrong, there's no condemnation. I mean, if, if I think that's a good thing. But if you are doing it in the sense of trying to attain something, things will be hidden from you. That's good preaching. It is, Mike. It really is. It really is. <laughs> so, Jesus even thought this way. This is just going to turn a lot of people's apple cart over. <laughs> if you have an apple cart. Jesus never thought that sin, would separate himself from you. Sin does not separate you from God. Say it on this side. <laughs> Sin does not separate you from God. 
And I, you say, well, the Bible begs to differ. The two scriptures that people preach on, I've heard messages, I've preached it myself. It talks about in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Isaiah chapter uh, 59, verse 2. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. But you need to read the whole chapter of Isaiah 59, 2. We concentrate on a phrase that says that your iniquities, your sin has separated you from God. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, you have let sin separate you from God. It's not that God has separated himself from you because of sin. That's a big deal. And then Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, uh, you know, this is Habakkuk. His, it, you got to understand, this is his perception. He sits there and goes, you know, you cannot look at iniquity. You cannot look at sin. You can't. And so we stop right there. Keep reading. You know, I love Disney's movies, so it's just like Nemo. Keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Got the same response. But anyway, you just need to keep reading. Keep reading. Don't stop right there because it's a, if you just stop right there, you think, yep, there you go. Pastor's wrong. It, sin separates you from God. Because Habakkuk goes, you can't look at sin. But if you keep reading, he goes, but you do. You keep looking at it. You, 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 you're winking at the, the sin that's in the world. You're looking at it. We don't read the whole thing. You know why? Because we are squinting because we believe and we've been taught and we've been preached to that sin will separate you from God. And so therefore God will reject you because of sin. Hmm. It's being preached all over the world. Like I said, I preached it quite a few times. But this is the problem. Is everybody listening? Put down the remote and just listen to the TV. Unless you're watching me on Apple TV, then turn it up. This is why this is this is why the church needs to hear this. This is why I need to hear it and you need to hear it. Because when you when people sin, they feel like God is rejecting them. And if you have the if you think that God is rejecting you, that feeling of rejection causes you to be unloved. And forcing you to look to other sources other than God to determine your value. Did you hear that? When you feel rejected because of sin and that God is rejecting you, it will cause you to look to other sources than God for your self-worth and value. And if you do that, anything outside of God, your value is going to be less. That is powerful. Your self-worth will be less outside of God. You can look at every source, and that's why people are doing stuff because they're trying to get their value up. You can't get more valuable than what God thinks about you and what God has done for you. God has not separated himself from sin. How about the very first sin, Adam and Eve? Did you ever play hide-and-seek when you were a kid? two different things to do. One's seeking, one's hiding. When Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, who was doing the hiding? 
Who was doing the seeking? Come on now. Who was doing the hiding? Adam, who was doing the seeking? You know, if, if that was uh, our doctrinal belief that God separates himself from sin, then what in the world was he doing? Adam, Adam, hey, Adam, Adam, Michael, if you've seen Adam, Adam, he was seeking him and Adam was doing the hiding. Why was that? Why was that? Because there was a death that took place on the inside of Adam. Some theologians think that, you know, they, there's different beliefs, but the death of him, of what sin did, was evident when God came to fellowship with Adam, and Adam said he was afraid. He said, I hid because I was afraid. That's what sin does in our mind. Listen to me. This is what sin does to your mind and everybody's mind. But after today, it will no longer do that. Mm, I said after today, sin will not have that power over your mind anymore. Because sin gets Christians and think that, oh, I've sinned, therefore I get, you know. And that's people quit church and quit God and everything when they do a biggie sin whatever that is, but, you know, if they do a biggie sin, you know, they, they don't want to go to church anymore because, you know, I've been rejected by God, and so I just can't go anymore, and, you know, I just can't live up to that standard. So they think there's a rejection, so they have to leave the church. That is such a lie. And God is teaching throughout the New Testament that you need to renew your mind because it's, he wants you to know, he wants me to know that when you sin, there will never be a separation between you and him. And listen to me, there was never a separation between God and man ever. It was you and me that separated ourselves, and we allowed sin to do that. I know that's hard for you to maybe swallow, but keep chewing. Just keep chewing. Sin altered the way, listen to me, sin altered the way that Adam saw God. But had God changed? Had God changed? Did he love Adam any less? No, he's the one yelling for him. Where's my boy? Where's my son? I got to get my son. I got to find my son. I got to get him. I saw something in Facebook. It was about a month ago. So last night, I couldn't remember exactly how it was worded. So I, I, I Googled it. <laughs> this is what religion does. Are you ready? Everybody listening? Religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. If you were a teenager, you exactly understand that. But religion says the same thing. We've embraced that in the kingdom of God. I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. But here's when you have an understanding of who you are in Christ, a son and a daughter, and that your father God is daddy. I messed up. I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad. That's the, listen to me. That's the relationship your father wants with you and me. And that's what's troubling in the church around the world because people are messing it up and they're shunning the church. They're shunning God. And it's the exact opposite. It's wrong. It's because we have allowed sin in our mind to think that God has rejected us. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? 
This is such a free. And listen, for those who think, oh, I don't know about that. Okay, let's give you the word. Colossians 1.21. Colossians 1.21 says this. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. You were once alienated and enemies where? In your where were you separated? In your mind. People separate themselves in their mind and then they act accordingly as if God has rejected them. But the whole rejection thing was in your mind. According to Colossians, Paul understood this and he sat there and said, don't let that happen in your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind to what? What I'm preaching and teaching you this morning, that sin will not separate you from God. God will not allow it. It's up to you and me whether it's going to be allowed. Sin's been paid for. Every sin has been paid for. So in the New Testament, it's all about relational. It's not about what you can or cannot do. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. So the key to learning the New Covenant I'm learning this more and more. Are you ready for this? This will help you right here, this next statement. The key to learning the new covenant, the key to learning things is what are you willing to unlearn? Man, I've been doing that, and I just think, dear Lord, did I, know, I just have to unlearn everything. What are you willing to unlearn? Because listen to me, whatever you're not willing to unlearn, you're going to be closed and things of the truth will be hidden from you. Not because God's withholding them, but it's because you're not willing to unlearn. And there's nobody that's listening, that's watching, including myself, that does not need to unlearn some things. All of us. And I just thought, man, I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life unlearning stuff. I mean, you know, everybody says, you need to learn, you need to learn. And I'm going, you need to unlearn, you need to unlearn, you need to unlearn. If you truly want to be set free, you better start unlearning some stuff. You know, I, uh, I got this illustration. You need to respond. I'm just giving you a pre-announcement. You need to respond a lot better than the first service. I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> this is what people, when they sin, this is how they think that Jesus sees us. This is the way they think Jesus sees us. Oh, I've sinned. I've done wrong. I'm Jesus. You are you. You got it? <laughs> and so... I'm Jesus looking at you, and this is how you think Jesus sees you. What is that? Cloudy, oh, dirty, fill in the blank. All right, but, but in reality, this is how Jesus sees you. That was a little better. You could have stood and given a standing ovation or something. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. But that's the way that Jesus, listen to me now. Not only is that the way Jesus sees you who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's the way that he sees everybody. 
you go, okay, now you've gone too far. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Does Jesus pay for the sins after a sinner confesses his sin? They're already paid for. And if it's already paid for, that's the way he sees it. What we have to do to cash in on that is to believe upon Jesus. But it's already been forgiven. Every sin that's ever going to be committed on this planet has been forgiven. Already been forgiven. Already been paid for. You need to do some unlearning. You know, if people... And this, is, this will help you in every single relationship. You know why? Because this is the way that Jesus sees people. This is the way you and I see people. You sinner. You're not just a sinner. You're a big fat sinner. It's not because you're overweight. It's because you really sin a lot. Let me be political correct. Did you hear me? Everybody weighs more than 100 pounds. And listen to me. This is the way people, that's the way we see people. And the Lord's telling me, Mike, you're, you're seeing people wrong. Yeah, but you know, Mike, you need to see people this way. But, but they do this. Yes, and this is the way you need to see them. Because, Mike, you do this, and this is the way I see you. So this is the way you need to see people. That'll help you in relationships. As Nathan's message, that'll help you build bridges instead of build walls. But you know what we do? Well, I know. I know, God. Mine's maybe not as cloudy as this. It's not as dirty. I know it's not, it's not, you know, like this, but, I mean, it's not as bad as this. But there's people. Oh, there's people. There are people that is just that worse than that. So this is what you're saying. God is so good in helping me unlearn. He's saying, so Mike, you're saying that because you're not as bad that your self-righteousness elevates you, and, but because of what they do, it keeps them down here. He says, I just want you to know for the record that any self-righteousness is a stench in my nostrils. So you may think that you're not as bad a sinner as somebody else, but let's just be perfectly clear. <laughs> Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? <laughs> well, at least I'm not that bad. There's only one righteousness, and there's only one way to get righteous, and that is through Jesus Christ. It's not based upon you or me, what we can or cannot do. It's based upon what he has already done. And if you believe upon what he's already done, then you are righteous because of him. And so you need to see people the way that Jesus sees people. That would just make you be kind. To the worst sinner on the street. Worst one in your family. Moving right along. Okay. <laughs> to see clearly. To see clear. How many remember uh, all you people my age or older, which are the young crowd? Uh, how many remember that song in the 70s? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. And then it goes, it's going to be a bright, 
bright, sunshiny day. Okay. <laughs> to see clearly. All of us do not see Jesus clearly. All of us. I don't care you say, well, I've been serving God for 40, 50 years, 60 years. I, I was born again, saved in, in the Baptist church when I was seven. Not that long ago. But when I was seven. And I do not see Jesus clearly. I don't. And I keep saying, okay, Lord, Paul prayed that. The Ephesian prayers, 1, 16, 3, 16, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know. And so I think, well, I know. And the Lord goes, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't see me clearly, Mike. You don't see how much I love having. And, and it's sometimes like this. You Google know me. You know what that means? You, we can't, who's got a cell phone? Who's got a cell phone? Give me a cell phone. And you, this is what we do. If we need to know anything, and I, I'm, I'm getting a lot better at this. I got an iPhone series, my private secretary. <laughs> I just ask her, I mean, is, this is, she won't know my voice? That's discriminating. Siri, what is the population of Pueblo? As of 2010, the population of Pueblo was 106,595. Siri knows, she knows me in all phones. I'm just saying, I am special. Anyway, I am so glad I did that. Anyway. This is the thing. People think they know a lot just because they can Google anything. And you could Google anything. You know what I mean? You could Google me and find out stuff about me. And you go up to somebody and go, oh, I go to Rocky Mountain Family Church. It's Pastor Mike goes, oh, I Google. I know him. Yeah, he was raised in Kentucky and he's been here and he did that. You can Google and you could say, you know me. But you know what? That's Google knowledge. Right. <laughs> How many of you know that does not mean you know me? don't know me. Oh, yeah, I do. I know how old you are and where you were born and everything. I, I Googled you. And you know what we've done? We've done the same thing with God. We flip through the Bible and we're doing the same thing. It just takes longer. But we Google God and just like I did with, with on the phone with Siri. Are you hearing me? We can quote things about God. We can quote Scripture. We can Google God in the Bible. This is so good. But it doesn't mean that you know him. Because God wants you to know that he's daddy, first and foremost. Jesus came to show the world that God is father. And he's not just father, he's daddy God. He's daddy God. And so you can't Google to find out about daddy. I read the Bible now, not for Google knowledge. And I used to do that. I used to, my whole intent of the Bible is coming up with a great message, a great sermon. I've got to study the Bible to come up with it. And the Lord says, be nice if you just read it to get to know me better. Be nice just to, not to find out what I do, what I can do, what I cannot do, or what I won't do. It's just good to read just to find out about dad. Yeah. 
spending time with dad. Instead of Google knowledge, dad. There's a lot of people that can Google knowledge the Bible. They can Google knowledge the father. But that's not what relationship is all about. The new covenant is about relation. It's not about uh, just how much knowledge you know. Let me know there's a lot of smart people, and not only this, that there's a lot of smart people in jail. So, I mean, you know that whole Enron thing? Those were some highly educated, unbelievable, smart CEOs that are behind bars or committed suicide now. So, listen to me. And don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling knowledge. I'm not. I am not. You should get education. But this is what I'm saying. When it comes, if you're just getting education about God, you're going to have that will not set you free. There's a lot of people, because I did this even when it comes to, to, to healing and having my needs met. I can know that God, uh, that's the will of God. But once I started understanding and learning that my dad really wants me to be well, that my dad just has this awesome feeling. He says, Mike, how much do you want your child when they're sick and got 103 temperature? How much do you just say, oh, man, I just don't want that for my child? I said, oh, God, you know, I mean, I hate it. I can't stand it if my son or daughter or, or my grandkids are, are sick. I just hate it so bad. He says, you don't even come close to how much I hate it. You don't get that by knowledge. You get that by relationship. Are you hearing me? It's helped me to have victory over sickness. It's helped me to have victory over poverty and lack and, and realize how much abundance. Mike, do you want your kids just to barely have enough? Well, God, you know, no. Oh, but you think that way about me. You think that I, I'm a good dad, so I just want to have your needs met. That would be a decent dad just to want to have your needs met. But the dad gets pushed up on the totem pole quite a bit when your dad wants you to have abundance. To have more than enough. There will never be fear in your life of lack. That you'll always be not only blessed, but you will be a blessing. Mm. Parking lot needs to get done. Oh, how much was that? Oh, 900, okay. We see things wrong about God. Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And how many know he was a very legalistic, religious zealot? I mean, he was on steroids. He was the one, you know, back then, if you stoned somebody, you had to have somebody who not only would agree to it, but would be witness to it. When Stephen was being stoned, they laid the people who were going to do the rock throwing, they laid their, their cloak, their coats and uh, at the feet of the person who was going to say yes to this. And it was Saul. Saul killed Christians. Saul arrested Christians all in the name of God. Listen to this story. In the name of God, Saul was doing this, thinking, listen to me, thinking that he was doing the service of God. He thought he was doing the service of God. Let's pick it up in Acts. How much time do I have? Okay. Acts chapter 9. 
Verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, believers in other words, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed to come and came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now that was, oh my goodness, time for Saul. Here he is thinking he was doing the work of God and all of a sudden he gets knocked off his horse and he realizes the presence of almighty God and he goes, oh my goodness, this is God. And so who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, the one that those letters in your backpack there that you have to go against all of my, my kids, I'm that one. That could be, oh my. And that's probably not what he said. That was an oh shoot moment. Are you kidding me? Yeah. In other words, Saul, you've gotten me 100% wrong. You've been so far off base. Listen to me. This is, this is my opinion. I think that's why Jesus said, I'm going to make you blind because you are obviously blind to me. You don't see me at all. So he's blind for three days because he's not seeing God right at all. So after three days, and he doesn't eat or drink. He's petrified. His world just got turned upside down. He dedicated his whole life. He dedicated his whole life. Does this sound familiar to some religious people? He dedicated his whole life without seeing God for who he truly is. This is the way he saw God. I see God like this. I see God like this. Can't see him clearly, but this is the way. I believe this is the way he is. And so God makes him blind for three days, and then he says, I'm going to send a man to you. He's a prophet. He's somebody who knows me, unlike you. And I'm going to send him. He's going to pray for you. Not only are you going to see in a better way, but you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and your life is going to be changed and you're going to see me in a whole different format. So instead of seeing me like this, you're going to see with 20-20 vision. So he's blind and three days later Ananias gets, and you know, thank God for Ananias. God comes to him and says, I want you to go pray for Saul. Uh, Excuse me. I don't mind praying for anybody, but the rumor mill has it he's going around killing people who are like me. I'm just saying, are you sure? Maybe it's a different Saul. He gave him the address. This is where he's at. This is who I want you to go see. So he said, okay. So he goes and he prays for him. Saul receives the Holy Ghost. He's born again. He sees everything different. 
and he realizes, listen to me, he unlearns everything he knew about God. We have some unlearning to do. We do. You may be sitting there thinking, I I just, I don't know about this. I've come to the conclusion, if I'm not willing to unlearn something, then I will not learn what God wants me to learn. And I will be just like on Palm Sunday. I will be like the children of Israel, that the Prince of Peace came in and it was hidden from them. Not because Jesus wanted them not to see it. It's because they were unwilling to not see it. They were unwilling. to. Uh, they didn't want to unlearn. This is the way we've been taught. For decades of my life, I thought it was the will of God for me to be sick. For decades of my life, I thought it was the will of God for me just to barely get by. And, and money was evil. And, and, you know, it's just wrong to have money, you know. And the Bible says... You can Google all you want, honey. Listen to me. I've come to the conclusion you can prove anything that you want to in the Bible, using the Bible. And that's why the Bible says the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. You know what that's all about? Relationship. You can Google it and find out, yeah, money's wicked. I've got scriptures to prove it. Why don't you? No, I won't say that. Judas took a rope and hung himself. Why don't, put that on your refrigerator. That was bad. I'm sorry. But you can, I'm just saying you can prove anything, honey. And people are doing it from the pulpit. People are doing it in Bible studies. People are doing it everywhere based upon Google knowledge. They don't have the right relationship to realize that that's my dad you're talking about. How dare you talk about my dad that way? He's a dad that will go and do anything for me. For God so loved the world, the most valuable thing on the planet, in the universe, he gave it so I could have life and life more abundantly. And you think I'm going to just stand by and have this filtered sensation about who my father is? No, my dad wants to see me in 2020. It's a dad who will not even allow sin to separate me. He won't allow, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Not death, not sickness, not disease, not poverty or lack or any sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Jesus says, I'm going to make sure this is a done deal. And 2,000 years ago, he nailed it to the cross to make sure nothing would ever come between you and me. Woo! Can you say, everybody say, that's my dad. He wants you to understand that. But you may have some unlearning to do. You may have some unlearning to do. We all mess up. I mess up. There's times I've done stupid things. I go, I cannot believe I did that. And people who may know me go, yeah, I can believe that. But but this is the thing. If I allow what I do to become a separation in my mind... It will hinder what God wants for me. Did you hear me? You need to hear that. When you do something wrong, if you allow that separation in your mind to separate you from God as if he's rejecting you, then it will cause you and me to look for some other source to find value for ourselves. Man, that is strong. That is powerful, man. 
And so what does the church do? We promote sin. And if you sin, you're rejected from God. And so what does the church world do? We look for other sources to find value because we've been rejected. Can you see how the devil has used this against the church, against humanity? I'm telling you, people, marriages and lives are destroyed because we think I can't live up to this. And and if I sin, I know God is rejecting me. I'm here to tell you the good news. God never has rejected you. He never will. (laughs) Oh, that just ticks the devil. I just feel the devil just, he's, oh, he's having a pity party now. Or he's going to try to jump inside your mind and go, he's not preaching the truth. He's, that's not true what he's saying. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. You have a choice. You do have a choice. But I'm here to tell you, you just go back to Genesis and you find out who was seeking and who was hiding. It was man doing the hiding. It was God doing the seeking. Let me tell you, God is doing the same thing today. He's seeking every nook and cranny just like water goes to the lowest source. He's going to the lowest source to all humanity and to let them know, I loved you, I died for you, and nothing can separate you. Would you come and be part of my family? That is the gospel. That is the good news. Let's stand.